Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome into the Nosebleeds Podcast by WFUV Sports. I'm Ryan Gregler, joined with Alex Waltz and Tyler Who. It's going to be a great show with you guys, and I know I'm really looking forward to it. Um, every time that Yankees are hot, I'm really clamoring to get on this podcast, and they are the hottest team in baseball right now. Nine straight wins for the Yankees. You know, they sweep the Red Sox this week and the Twins. That Red Sox series, I think, will go more in about because that was a huge one coming in. I believe there were two games back going into it of the wild card, and they end the week two and a half up on the first wild card. So the Yankees kind of skipped the step of, you know, getting to the second wild card. They straight up shot to the first one. The A's have faltered a little bit this week. The Yankees obviously winning nine straight, still haven't lost since the Field of Dreams game. They're able to take advantage here. Um, easily the best week of the season for the Yankees. A ton to get into, but first off, you know, we'll just start off. I want to make sure you guys are doing well. Alex, I'll start with you. What's going on, pal? Yeah, it's funny because we always talk on this podcast or on one-on-one that your mental health is very much connected to the New York Yankees. And I can imagine you're doing really well right now. I, Whenever you're doing well, Ryan, I'm doing well. So that's all, that's all that matters, man. I appreciate that. You know, that's definitely true. I think you could probably tell there's a little more energy with me today. <laughs> A reason for that. Uh, Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm feeling fantastic. I mean, we're all glad to be here. I'm glad to be with you guys. And the Yankees are the hottest team in baseball right now. So I'm feeling great. Life is good. Nothing to complain about. Sweet. And so uh, actually, you know, it's funny because they've won nine straight, but so have the Dodgers and the Braves. The Yankees will play the Braves in a two-game set here. But if you look at those two teams, the reason I'm so confident saying the Yankees are the hottest team is one, any way you slice it since the beginning of July, like July 4th, July 6th, the all-star break, the trade deadline, they have like the best record in baseball. So that's one. And for the other thing, the Dodgers and the Braves have both beat up on some really bad teams here. I think the, the Dodgers win streak is com- was completely, they lost yesterday, actually. It was completely against the Pirates and the Mets and the Braves. It's like the Nationals, Marlins and Orioles. And while, and the Yankees are doing this against some, you know, two obviously really good teams in both the Sox, the White Sox, Red Sox, Angels mixed in there, Twins not so much, but they're doing what they have to do. They beat up on the Twins, you know, that fourth game of that series, rain out, so we'll see what happens there. But going more into the Red Sox series here, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier. It was really big. Like, the Yankees had obviously made up a ton of ground, 10 and a half out, I think, the beginning of July. But if they came out flat the series, guys, it, it would not have mattered. They would have really shot themselves in the foot. But they did the complete opposite. You know, they took the first two of the doubleheader, fought back in game one. Excellent pitching all around. Alex, I'll start with you. What were kind of your thoughts on this week? What were your thoughts on the series versus the Red Sox? So interesting because you mentioned the uh, the Field of Dream games. And I wanted to go back to that for one second because one thing that we've seen about this Yankees team the whole year 
is that it takes sometimes a tragic moment to kind of kickstart them forward. And that game against the White Sox and the Tim Anderson walk-off almost felt like that moment that catapulted them forward. And you have, you know, the two games against the White Sox where you come back and win. You take care of the Angels on, on Monday. And then, like you mentioned, Ryan, you head into this series with Boston, a team that they've struggled with for much of this year. They didn't really have much success against. And I, we, I said this to you a while back that really the main reason why it looked like the Yankees were so far out of this playoff race is because they couldn't beat the Red Sox. You flip that series or you make it 500 in their previous matchups. We're talking about a much different story. So this was that one chance, though. I think uh, the Yankees really had to prove something against the Red Sox. And this time, really in a, in a time where they didn't have their full roster. And you look at the guys that they're throwing out there. They shouldn't really be expected to win this series. Right. It's just the Red Sox heading in such a different direction. And the Yankees really, this next man up mentality that's driven them in the past, I think is starting to show up again. You look at what happens in that series. Albert Abreu gets to win in game one. Wendy Peralta gets to win in game two. And then Andrew Heaney. I mean, you saw it coming, but he gets that win mm-hmm. on Wednesday. And it's just not the names you would expect to see. But I think that's a great sign for the Yankees because it shows just how deep this team has become. And that series was kind of a testament of it. I mean, like you see the what the, the Yankees right now, it's more of the next man up mentality. You, Alex mentioned it. You see guys like, for example, Andrew Velasquez. Nobody expected the hometown kid to step up like that. He had four RB, four huge RBIs in that Red Sox series. He was so clutch throughout, batting at the bottom of the order, great fielding, made the game-saving play at the end of the sweep. And it's just all about guts. That kid, he's special. You see guys like Luke Voigt. I mean, people were <laughs> counting Luke Voigt out left, right, and center, talking about, oh, he's like, what he's, what he's saying is bad for the clubhouse. He's being egotistical. Luke Voigt has been the hottest hitter in baseball for the last two weeks. He's been tearing apart opposing pitching. He's been energizing the Yankees clubhouse. And it seems like him and Rizzo are friends on the bench. They seem perfectly fine next to each other. They seem like they're enjoying their time. And it's just that next man up mentality. You see Rizzo going down with COVID, Void steps up. You see guys like like Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery going on the COVID IL. And one time the COVID IL and the actual IL could field field a whole baseball team for the Yankees. A good one, too. A a very good one. You got Garrett Cole as an ace. You got guys like Urshela, Torres on the – and then Rizzo just out, unable to play. And guys stepping up. Tyler Wade has stepped up, much previously known as kind of a joke to Yankee fans. Tyler Wade has become one of the hottest hitters, one of the most reliable guys at the bottom of the lineup. Guys like Brett Gardner even have revitalized their season and played unbelievable baseball. So it's just a, it's a testament to the next man up mentality that the New York Yankees have right now that has shown that why they're the hottest team in baseball. And it's great to see. Yeah. Something that's firing me up so much is like the depth is it's never been better. Uh, you know, the series versus the Red Sox, I always kind of alluded to it. your three starters are Luis Hill, Jordan Montgomery, first star from the COVID list and Andrew Heaney who'd given up, I feel like eight zillion homers, in his Yankee career and all three of them Montgomery struggled a little bit, you know, three runs given up. It's not going to hurt you that much, but like to, to do what they did when those guys are kind of, you know, heels getting his start skips, Andrew Heaney's definitely an afterthought long-term for those guys to step up and provide really great starts. It, it shows kind of how deep this team is. Obviously you have the Garrett Coles and Jameson Tyone's at the top. And I think Tyone firmly deserves to be in that conversation right there. Nestor Cortez, who had a really big week, you know, he followed up that great outing versus the White Sox, seven innings, two run ball versus the Twins. Suddenly the list of guys, you know, Tyler just rattled off like eight guys that are absolutely raking and getting huge hits and everything. And some like, that's not your Aaron judges. Those aren't your stands. Those are some guys that they don't need to be the superstars. They don't need to carry the offense the way they are. Luke Voigt, obviously I think deserves a ton of praise. Um, I think last seven games, he's batting 500. 13 RBIs and 1,500 OPS. 
you know, I've talked about on my post games and everything, how there's been so much a conversation between him and Rizzo. I feel like people were trying to make a story out of nothing. The Yankees have set this up perfectly. Giancarlo Stanton has said he's going to play the outfield. He's been out there. He's been in the outfield and he's not like some ex awful defender out there. He's above average slightly in his past. Now he's probably a little bit deteriorated, but like, he's not going to kill you out there in the outfield. So then you could put him in Rizzo in the lineup. It's what they've been doing. It's deep. They're going righty, lefty, righty, lefty all the way. It's balanced. And it's such a stark contrast when you look at this team a month and a half ago, 41 and 41, 10 and a half games behind the Red Sox. The script's completely flipped. And I'm not afraid to say, like, as of right now, obviously a lot can change. This is an all-time in-season redemption story. I've seen a lot of comparisons to the Nationals. The one thing I'll say there is, one, they weren't quite as bad. They never got to that, like, 12 games under 500. But then they were also mediocre for longer parts of the season. 41 and 41 is half your season. That's 50%. And I feel like maybe the 60 game season definitely deprogrammed our brains a little bit because I was, I think I texted the Seahawks. I had typed in like season over into my search bar um, after the Red Sox sweep. And it was wild. The things that were going back and forth between me and all my friends on like July 4th, when they blow that game versus the Mets, but to see the comeback, to see how hot they've been. And you mentioned it, like they've lost some heartbreaking games in this stretch, you know, Red Sox, they blew two games where they had their one out away in one of them. The other one, they had a 4 nothing lead. They had a no-hitter through seven innings. Losing games like that, blowing a five-run lead in the ninth versus Houston, losing the Field of Dreams game, those are losses that could really, really set back your season. But for the Yankees, as you mentioned, Alex, it only seemed to energize them and get them going on the right path. You know, they completely blocked those out, and they just kept winning series. I think they've lost one series in the last month and a half. And so we said, I I know we've said all apart, you know, they can't just make it up overnight. Obviously it still took a while, but just winning series did enough for them. And then when you're able to rattle off nine straight, that'll do the job and get you into a playoff spot. Yeah. I I didn't expect this to be honest. Cause like you mentioned, Ryan, when we look at those threads, just where this team was to where it is now, it's genuinely unbelievable. And and I think when you think about why is really the interesting question, why has this happened? And I don't know, if you can really pinpoint the answer, because you might say it was the trade deadline because the second they got Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo, everything kind of changed. But at the same time, look at the, we mentioned this, look at the guys who were doing it. It's not those guys. I mean, Rizzo hit the COVID aisle shortly after he came and Joey Gallo by and large has been just, you know, another part of the lineup, but it's really been like you mentioned, Tyler, it's been Tyler Wade, Andrew Velasquez. And I know Stanton judge have actually hit a lot better as of late judges a big on base streak going. I know you hate to admit it, Ryan, but DJ LeMahieu stepping up quite a bit. I do think, and you got, I think a lot of guys that were already here, starting to really step up. And that's something that we had talked about before on this podcast was that the Yankees are only going to go as far as the guys that are already here could take them. I think you're seeing that. Um, you're seeing that in the lineup. You're seeing that in the rotation. You're getting a lot of stuff from guys who are already here. I think that's really going to be the storyline of the Yankees is the, the deadline was the moment that it changed, but the players that are already here are the ones that are sparking that change. And I think a lot of interesting questions now for the Yankees coming into this next week, some big games on the road, and I think, Ryan, you mentioned some interesting points, but what do you do now when, when the team does start getting healthy again with this depth conversation? Because we've talked about this a lot. You know, Gio Rochelle and Gleyber Torres are going to come back. Something's going to happen to Tyler Wade and Andrew Velasquez, and I don't know how much of a fan we're all going to be of that, but they're probably not going to stay around as much as they are now. I think the Voight-Rizzo conversation, overblown, I agree with you. Those two can coexist without an issue. But And then the, the rotation is the other question, because Luis Hill has been skipped over a few starts now, which I know we're not fans of. You know, Luis Hill has been, to me, one of the most impact players they've had this year since he showed up. So a lot of questions now about where the Yankees go ahead, and I think this next week is really going to prove a lot against some really good opponents. 
Yeah, I'm very excited for this next week. We got six quality games in a row against the the Braves and the Oakland A's. That's going to be a real test for us. But you know what's really made me happy over the last couple of weeks, this past month? Remember earlier in the season, all the fire Boone, even the fire Cashman talks, those have gone silent. Boone, I I was, I'm not going to, I'm going to admit it. I was kind of a Boone hater earlier in the season, but he's turned the tide. He has made so many great managerial decisions over the past month. He's made great bullpen decisions. He's put in the right guys to start, put in the right guys in the order. And he's energized, like he's been a major turning point in energizing the team. Aaron Boone's been a very good manager over the last month. And I'll give him his credit where credit is due. He's been fantastic. So all the fire Boone stuff, even, even the fire Cashman stuff, Cashman turned his yes. team around at the deadline. Yeah. He has been fed. He's made some fantastic moves. So that tide has turned. I think we can like silence the fire Boone fire Cashman talks for a, for a little while now. And let's give credit to a guy who is starting to get his credit right now. Matt Blake, our pitching coach. He has mm-hmm. been, he has made this rotation in this bullpen spectacular. He's turned guys around like Jonathan Lewiska, Wandy Peralta, Albert Abreu, seen hidden gems like Clay Holmes, um, Stephen Ridings even. And just, he's been, he's made our lives so much easier. I know there's been a lot of close games in the end, but he's given us a, a, a like somebody to be able to take a deep breath and like just relax. I believe in Matt Blake and what he's doing for the staff and this bullpen. So the managers, the coaches have been fantastic. So they're not to blame for sure. They've been fantastic throughout this whole month. I'm really glad you brought up that, especially Aaron, like Matt Blake. I think uh, it started to come up in recent weeks, how he needs to be highlighted. Like he needs to be in serious consideration for if there was a pitching coach of the year award, I'm not sure there's an official one. I don't think so. He would be right up there for me. What he's been able to do, you know, you mentioned all those guys he's turned around, even like a Jameson Tyone who was completely lost for like the first month and a half. Right. ERA almost in the sixes, you know, he's able to kind of fine tune some things. He's been the best pitcher on the Yankees the last month and a half. Nestor Cortez, a guy the Yankees had, DFA'd, Matt Blake comes in. It's so weird. His spin rates are nothing impressive. His fastball is nothing impressive. He's just deceptive and he's able to get guys out. It's it's a marvel. You really can't understand it, but he's been so impactful and so productive that there's no reason to expect it'll go away. You know, you talked about Aaron Boone. I think this last week, he literally managed a perfect week. I know they won every game, but it seemed like every time he took a starter out, every time he kept them in, every decision he went to, every pinch hit opportunity, they all paid off. And obviously, you know, over a full season, that's not going to happen. And at the end of the day, I think the players – in the yeah. roles deserve a lot of the flack slash credit, but Aaron Boone putting them in positions to succeed. You have to give him, you know, you have to really, is it, it's not crazy to say that he could end the year in top three for manager of the year, which right. is insane to think about when you think about where this team was and where there is people, there was people after, you know, all these heartbreaking losses where Boone just cannot be on the bus ride back to the, he cannot be on the plane. Like there's no defending this. You have to fire him. And like, to see the job but also keep the guys in check and keep them motivated when they were so poor, I think deserves a ton of credit. But now I think it shifts to a very fun conversation. This is one that in a normal season, if the Yankees were just good all year, we'd be having it. It's the roster discussions. It's the division right now. Now I think it's not, you know, it's not irresponsible to shift some of your attention towards division. Obviously the Rays just refuse to lose. Uh, they swept the Orioles. This week blew them out every game, and then they just took a series versus the White Sox. You're sitting four and a half behind them right now, and it's interesting because you have, if you if you schedule preview to schedule, we'll go into it a little more later. 
the last series of the year is against the race. So realistically here, you know, four and a half, it's obviously it's still a solid number. That just needs to get to two, three by the last series of the year. That's a month to make up two games. It, it's not crazy here, I think, to say that, you know, the Yankees obviously are in it. I think that has been something where a lot of people who earlier completely wrote off the division, I did for a little bit, came back in before others, whatever. I think that's something you have to turn to. I think the division is certainly in play. Now, the Rays are just that team that refuses to lose. So I'm not really, you know, like ready to to spend my money from the Yankees winning division, the future that I have on that. But I do think now you are able to have that conversation. And I don't think it's crazy to, to picture the Yankees winning the AL East at the end of the day. Especially when everything is kind of in your court. You know, you talk about you've got seven games left against the Blue Jays. You've got another series against the Rays, another series against the Red Sox. If the Yankees take care of business in those in those games, I mean, there you go. The answer's there for you. But I think really the question for the Yankees is what happens when some adversity comes. It's really what I'm curious about because you think about they haven't, like you said, haven't lost since the Field of Dreams game. There's such an energy right now in the clubhouse. What happens when they do lose a couple games? Because, I mean, the win streak is going to end eventually. Uh, the Sunday rain delay didn't really help that. But when, when this team does start hitting some hurdles, how are they going to overcome them? I think is the big question. And, and really, this entire season, the story's been about the division. They haven't won against the division outside of the Orioles, of course. So if you start winning those games, as you mentioned, Ryan, and I think that really starts in this important stretch against the A's, too, who are a part of this. And that's a team you're going to be competing with for the wild card and get a good read on this week. If the Yankees could take care of business in these games and take care of business against the division, you're definitely not wrong. Everything is kind of in their court when it comes to the, the AL East. And I think the Red Sox, we've talked about this before, they just don't look like the same team anymore by any stretch. Um, but I think Toronto is actually going to be the one team that I'd expect to, to stay around a little bit here. And those four games will start September. They're going to be a really big indicator of where the Yankees stand because the division's been their crutch this year. And, and they, they looked like now they're a team that could start winning against it. But we haven't really seen that test yet outside of uh, the series against Boston. So, like you said, a really interesting story. And I'm interested to see who the Yankees are going to put out there in those games, like as we mentioned, because there's so many questions about this lineup, so many ways you could go. And, and Aaron Boone's been clicking the right buttons. I think that was a good point about Aaron Boone because he – from start to finish has not lost faith in this team. And I'm interested now who his go-to guys are going to be in these big games because he's got a lot to choose from right now. Yeah, you're right, Alex, about the adversity point. Once the Yankees hit maybe a one game, two game, maybe a three game losing streak, hoping that doesn't happen, but it will possibly happen. I believe that the fact that the Yankees are starting to get healthy, <laughs> the Yankees are starting to get healthy and starting to, they've gone through so much adversity this year. We've seen so much. They've had maybe like equivalent of maybe five or six seasons of worth of heartbreaking losses <laughs> all in one season. And the fact that that's happened, I feel like that's shown that we're battle. The Yankees are very, very battle tested right now. They yeah. have shown that they've pretty much bounced back from every single heartbreaking loss in whether it's taking only two games to bounce back one game, three games, they bounce back eventually. And the Yankees, I mean, right now they are 20 games over 500. They're, playing obviously their hottest team in baseball. And I think that the, help, the thing that's going to help us with this division, I know the Yankees are four and a half games, I believe, back of the Rays. The Rays arms are starting to, you know, deteriorate a little mm. bit. Those guys have been pushed to their limits. They've had to get guys from AAA, young guys like Shane McClanahan have pitched major innings this year. And while it's been sustainable up to now, this is the stretch run of the season. This is These are the dog days of the season. Who knows if they can keep it up? So I think that the Yankees, with their added depth now, with guys like Kluber, Herman, Severino possibly coming back, who knows? The Yankees could really just uplift and take this division right out of the Rays' hands. And the depth that we have, the Yankees have right now, 
is really going to help them down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, last thing we'll say on the Yankees, just previous week a little bit, because it is a huge week. Like, and it's, we're at the part of the season where this is what I love. It's like every week we can just say this, there's, there's not going to be a point where we're like, Oh, this is, this isn't an important stretch. It's all important baseball. And obviously the Yankees are to blame for still having to play these meaningful games, but the job is just starting, you know, two against the Braves. You both won nine straight. We'll see that series coming up here. I think I'm looking at if I'm, you know, put myself in the Yankees shoes, I'd honestly, and this is crazy to say with how hot they've been. If they just go 500 over three and three over these six games, I think you're, you're fine with it. You can't lose ground to the A's. I think that's the important thing. Four games in Oakland. The Yankees, they have, don't play well in Oakland. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, you know, watching this team year in and year out, they get swept there every year. Like, they just they don't play well in the Coliseum. Obviously, the A's are really good. I think we'll get more into them in a second year. But to expect them to kind of sweep, take three out of four, I think would be too, too much there. So I think just really splitting. Obviously, a two-game series is weird. Braves have won nine straight. You know, going going one and two in Atlanta is fine. I think winning two of those four games in Oakland's fine. One thing I'll say, Yankees, with all their pitching maneuvering, they're stacking up the rotation big time for that series. It'll be Cole. I don't know the order, but it'll be Cole, Tyone, Cortez, and Monty. Those are the four guys you want out there, definitely over anyone else. So I, I like those prospects, but it's still the Oakland A's. So I think a split is something that the Yankees can live with and then just keep moving on, keep chugging along, and keep winning series after that. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And it is interesting with Nestor Cortez, too, is another guy I think is worth talking about really quickly because his numbers, man, I mean, the second lowest year mm -hmm. in the AL this year, I, I don't think we appreciate what he's done enough. And I really think there's a big start for Andrew Heaney, too, because you we kind of mentioned he was not really uh, in, in the uh, ire of Yankee fans his first couple of starts, but now he kind of picked it up in that game against Boston. Now we could see, was that a fluke? Was that a sign of what's to come? Montgomery, Tyone, I think you're confident there in Garrett Cole as well. So I think it's an interesting week. I agree with you. I think a split is definitely what you need to hear to be successful. You just can't have major setbacks. You're at that situation now where you're really in this. But if you start losing three to four and you start losing series, I think that's when you're going to run into a problem. But the Yankees haven't shown really that. I don't think that's really going to happen right now. They're just in this groove right now. There seems to be this energy. Uh, the one thing I will say is I, I hope they don't have any COVID problems because every time they go on the road, that does seem like something that does come up. So that's the one thing you do hope for with this team is that they can stay healthy. They can keep getting guys back. And if they are, I think they can have success this, this series and then against uh, Los Angeles the following week as well. I think they have a lot to be confident about right now. And as long as you take something away uh, from this uh, latest stretch and you come back home, you got Baltimore after that. So I think you have to feel confident you're going to make up some ground there and you can't look too deeply in what happens uh, in this week. All I got to say about the Yankees is three and three. The split will be very, very nice, at least three and three. I think that the Yankees could take three, three out of four against Oakland. I know they're tough. I know Ryan, you mentioned, but I've, I haven't seen the energy from this Yankees team in so long, this exact energy that they have right now. It's special. So my only thing that I got to say are stay motivated, stay hungry. And as our birthday man, Kobe Bryant said, job's not finished. Take care of destiny, take care of your own business and the Yankees it's all in their hands. Yeah, I think that's a great point because earlier in the season, like you could make the argument, like, do they control their own destiny and everything? Now they do. Now there's no excuses. You've made up the ground, win the games. So obviously huge series out West for the Yankees coming up this weekend. And speaking of out West, the Mets are just coming back from a West Coast trip. It was not very successful for them. Two and five on the week. They lost both series to the Giants and Dodgers. They continue their, I mean, I don't want to say stunning, but they're you know what? I will say it's stunning because you're, you're, you lose 11 games in like 24 days here. That is stunning. They're up four games heading into August. They are now seven back of the Braves. Truly 
just crazy stuff overall. You know, we mentioned who the Braves won against. The, the Mets we knew going into this stretch, I think I was on the show two weeks ago, right before this 13-game gauntlet versus the Giants and Dodgers. And we had our Mets guy, shout out Dylan Balsamo. He was like, you know, I'll take seven and six. Like, that's that's what I'm hoping for. Like, <laughs> seven and six was never even <laughs> a question here. Like, they, I know they were in these games, but they led, I think, for like 12 total innings. And that includes a game yesterday where they led for all nine innings. So truly just they were not playing competitive baseball. The final scores were close, but they're not able to take leads. So really tough week for the Mets. They continue their kind of free fall here. Seven games out of first place. Are we ready to kind of just write the Mets off here? Tyler, I'll start with you. Uh, Really, you know, just bad stuff with the Mets. Are you ready to completely discredit them? Is this season over? Well, in good news. The Mets got Javier Baez back from his back spasms, his 10-day IL stint, and he provides that energy that the Mets need. I'm going to start with the good news here. Good news, Javier oh, Baez is back. And good news, Francisco Lindor will be back this week with his oblique strain. That's your middle infield right there. That just gives you a sense of hope, a sense of renewed energy that the Mets desperately need because the Mets look lifeless right now. The Mets look like they do not want to be here. The only person who I'd say wants to be there is Pete Alonso. Polar Bear Pete has been playing well. Nobody else from what I've watched besides pitching, I guess, Stroman pitched very well yesterday. They look pretty lifeless. The Mets look pretty lifeless. However, those are good news. Bad news is they're seven backs, seven games back of a very, very hot Braves team. And they're still back of the Phillies. The Phillies aren't out of this yet. So we don't know where to stand with this. I think that the Mets aren't out of it fully, but, you know, it's not looking good. They got to step up quick or it's going to get ugly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a tricky thing to say because I think this stretch against the NL West was actually, I don't think it was as bad as the record shows because the thing that's been so frustrating about the Mets is that they give you a sense of hope with every game. And it's something that Sam Davis, our other Mets beat reporters, talked about so much is that, like you mentioned, Ryan, they were in every one of these games. You talk about the first two against the Dodgers, you lose them in the 10th inning. You talk about the other stretch against the Dodgers, you're one run back in most of these games. The Giants are, I mean, they're the first team to 80 wins. They're just very good. I mean, they're not going to win against them. But the Dodgers, very winnable games. And, you know, you might want to think that they should have done better than a sweep the first time than losing three or four the next time. And they just, they give you this reason, the Mets, to believe that they're competitive. And I think... Think about it. You know, the Mets and the Dodgers, or sorry, the Giants and the Dodgers are two of the best teams in baseball. And the Mets showed an ability to play with them for the most part, which I think gives you reason to think that they can compete with these teams and they can be a playoff team. But the issue is that the results just aren't there. And when you lose this many games, considering how high you were in the standing so many weeks ago, and now against a Brave team, as you mentioned, Tyler, they won nine in a row, and they're now all of a sudden 12 games over 500 out of nowhere. And like, that's not something that we saw coming. And the Mets now have to keep up with that. And the problem is they've never shown they could keep up with that because they've been a 500 team the whole year. So that's kind of the one issue, I think, for the Mets is now it's not that they've gotten any better or worse. You look at the record, they're still a 500 baseball team. A few months ago, what were they? A 500 baseball team. I mean, they're still the same Mets. The issues now that the teams around them have gotten much better. Uh, You mentioned the Phillies getting swept by them certainly didn't help. Uh, You mentioned the Braves. Now they're on such a hot stretch. So I don't think the issue necessarily is this stretch against the NLS because I actually think the Mets – do have some positives they can take away from it. And I respect the, the optimism in the clubhouse. The issue is that everybody around them has gotten so much better and the Mets simply aren't keeping pace with that. Like the Yankees are, like the Rays are in the ALEs. It's just a different situation there. Right. Well, I mean, here's oh. the one thing I'll say with that. I mean, I don't think like the Mets have been playing 500 baseball since the end of May, but before that they were eight games over 500. They were rolling. Um, I think they went like 
17 and eight or something in May. They had a really good month. And yes, they've been 500 since then. And we've kind of talked about all along, like it's going to come crashing down if you don't start winning games. One yeah. of these now these teams are going to step up. We were right on that. It was the Braves. But I agree. I'm not looking all the negatives here. I'm looking towards the future here. Obviously, we knew the 13-game stretch could bury the Mets. It did, right? You can't – no excuses. The Braves, they took care of business against who they should have, Nationals, Marlins, and Orioles. But I, I'm – you know, this is kind of crazy. This is a take I said I was going to say something a little bit. The Mets have – they end this 13-game stretch with three against the Giants in City Field. If they win that series, I am confident in picking them to win this division. I think if they're able to show the resiliency, if they're able to take this series versus the Giants, they're going to win this division. And I'm going strictly off the schedule game because then the Mets, for everything, how tough this stretch was, they get they are in a golden zone. They get the Nationals and Marlins all the way until September 10th. That's a long stretch of baseball against really bad teams. Like the Mets, the Mets swept the Nationals or they took two of three or whatever. Last time they played Nationals, they did not play the Marlins that well. That was really their pinnacle. That really showed their struggle. But I think the Mets, you know, the really positive last game versus the Dodgers, if they're able to keep that up and take two or three versus the Giants, I really do think they can turn it around. You look at the Braves coming up, their schedule becomes a gauntlet. They have the Yankees, Giants, and Dodgers back-to-back-to-back. No easy outs in there. Like those are three of the five, six best teams in baseball, I would say confidently. So that's your, that is your time to make up ground, get it to three games. Like if the, if, like, I think they can, I think that's very realistic. Mets can cut it to three by September 10th. And then you're in business. I think you have one more series versus the Braves to end the year, kind of similar to the Yankees raise parallel. But the issue is I wouldn't pick the Jet, the Mets to beat the Giants this series. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I think, you know, obviously Alex talked about like they, these games were not all blowouts. Uh, like three were run one run losses a lot of them though they just went down early they fought back a little bit just not enough to break through and when you look at that it's the runners in scoring position I think before Sunday's win it was like nine for the last 70 I mean just absurd stuff like just you couldn't even make that up I feel like how bad they were with runners in scoring position that's what's bearing them that's what prevents you from having the big innings and that's what's led to the Mets go on the street for all lose 11 games in the standings. I think right now, as we're doing this, they're second to last in baseball and runs per game. It's just, it's, you can't be added in this division. The Braves obviously have turned it around, but looking on paper without Acuna, I know their deadline guys have raked. The Braves aren't that much better than the Mets. They've had a ton of injuries. They've dealt with a lot too. Obviously right now it doesn't look good. Uh, I, you know, most of the Mets fans I talk to, they agree. They are, they, they don't agree with me. They call me crazy. I was just texting my good friend. He's like, stop it. Like I told him this take I was going to say on the podcast. He's like, please stop that. Don't make me screenshot this. This will not work in your favor. So, and I get that the other thing with the Mets is too, there's a weird aura that many thought would be gone with Steve Cohen, where, you know, they always have that June swoon, I think it's called, where they they're in first or in the playoffs and then they have a terrible June. It sets them back. And obviously it happens a little later this year, but I do buy into Steve Cohen. I know now there's been some interesting parallels here where I've seen some articles, I've seen some chatter how this is the Will Ponce 2.0. I think the Post put out an article the other day saying that. I don't believe so. I think, though, the test will be at the end of the year because let's just throw out the take I just made, that crazy take. Let's say that the, you know this, the, what's happening keeps continuing. The Mets miss the playoffs. I think they have to be aggressive. They have to do a complete overhaul, front office, managerial staff. I think you, you can't justify bringing back Louis Roas. You can't justify – 
bringing back, you know, Zach Scott, who's on an interim basis right now. And the lineup, too, you could consider maybe need an overall. Obviously, you've had three guys take huge steps back in Dom Smith, Conforto, and McNeil. And, like, there are going to be some tough decisions for the Mets. There, there's going to be some – you're going to have to let some guys go, Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, some free agents, and the pitching staff, Tywon Walker. But the Mets are going to have to make some big decisions. And I think that – I think this offseason could really show what Steve Cohen is as an owner. Well, everything, everything you kind of really quick, everything you kind of just brought up though shows me why this year though isn't that important for the Mets, to be honest with you. I know that might sound crazy to Mets fans, but everything you just said is why I don't look too deeply at this year because you need to evaluate what you have first. You can't go year one, go all in and hope what, you know, and just kind of see what happens in the playoffs. Because what you've seen here, they're not good enough to win in the playoffs, even if they get in that this year. So you need to take a step back and see what happens with the guys you have here. Like Steve Cohen said, the guys just aren't playing right now. You need to see what you have. You need to evaluate. Then, Tyler, when you get to the offseason, then you can make those decisions. Then you can change the rotation. You can change the lineup. To go all in a, in a year when you don't even know what you have, I don't think is a smart thing. So that's why for the Mets, sometimes they got to take a step back. It's a five-year plan. I know you don't like that, Ryan, but I think, Tyler, that's kind of the way I see it. I, we haven't gotten your thoughts on the Mets, so I'm curious what you think about that timeline conversation, just where the Mets should – should they go all in this year, and do you think that the guys that are here can already can do that for them? I mean, I don't think the Mets should go in all, all in this year. This and the National League right now is a gauntlet. You got so many, so many great teams in the National League. We'll get to later, but I mean, the Mets. Ryan, before when you said that the Mets will win the division, I was like, okay. Before the show, I was like, you're crazy. I don't know where you're. If they take the series versus the Giants, right, right, right. I didn't. Well, know why that. does that? Why does that one series make such a difference to right. you? Yeah. Those three was, games. Yeah, because, yeah, why yeah. does it matter so let much? Me, I'll, let me. I'll, I'll unpack that. Take. Please do. Yes. Yeah. Get to it later. But um. I think that the Mets, yeah, you said this upcoming schedule is a cakewalk. If they play their cards right, this should be a very easy series to take care of business. And maybe they get the ground back at the end of the year. That's a huge maybe because that's the best pitcher in baseball. I think that he won't pitch again this season, but that's like a very little maybe. I think, yeah, this season shouldn't have been the all-in season. Mets fans had their have to temper their expectations. As Alex said, five-year plan. I think it's more of actually a three-year plan. I mean, you got yeah. Steve Cohen who can just toss money at guys. He has so much, he has a ton of money. I think that they're going to revamp this front office. I think, I'm not sure where Rojas stands. I mean, Rojas, he's 50-50 to me. I think that, yeah. yeah, he might be the victim and get fired, but I think he might also be a holdover. I think that he's done a pretty okay job. I mean, with all the injuries, with all the guys underachieving, that's just the players. That's on the players, as Steve Cohen said. I think, I mean, there's so many guys that are Wilpon holdovers, I guess, from the Wilpon era. So Steve Cohen's got to work his magic. He's got to, I guess, throw money at people, throw the brings truck at people. And he, I think he can do that. I mean, I think he will do that. He's got, he, he will throw money at every free agent possible. And obviously they have to retain guys like Strowman. Um, I mean, Syndergaard, we, I, th- I don't think he's going to be a Met after this season. Guys like, they overachieved a lot this start of the season with guys like Stroman, who's good, but Taiwan Walker, he was an all-star and now he's not very good. He, if he can turn it around, maybe the Mets have a shot at the division. If he can turn it around, guys, guys like Tyler McGill continue to pitch well and that bullpen, like guys like Aaron Laup and Edwin Diaz continue to like do their thing. Maybe the Mets have a shot, but I think they're a little, they're going to fall a little short of that division. So I think this off season, they, got to revamp that front office a little bit well they got to revamp that front office a lot but actually maybe make a decision on Luis Rojas and then make a decision on a very important decision on a lot of these players whether you keep them trade them 
or you replace them. I mean, we'll find out. We'll find out in the offseason. It's going to be a very fun offseason for Mets fans. I mean, it could easily not be, though. Um, yeah, it could be It could be an ugly offseason. It could be pain. The thing with Luis, Luis Rojas is I would be flabbergasted if he is able to survive two ownership groups and three front office regimes. Like, no one's able to do that. I don't care how good of a manager you are. At some point, you bring in your own guys. You know, Steve Cohen wasn't there when they hired him. Whoever, even these GMs, these front office people weren't there. That was a Brody move. There's, I can't see it. I, I can't see Luis Rojas surviving a, a unless they run it back with everyone. Right. In the front office, they're going to clean the managers too. And I'll unpack that take care with the Giants series because I think if you are able to take that versus the team with the best record in baseball, you can look at this very positively. Mets winning three of their last four against the two best teams in baseball. And with this stretch coming up, even during this um, this struggle time for the Mets, sandwiched in between was a sweep of the Nationals. The Nationals are dead in the water. They have no bullpen. They have one, I think, like average hitter in their lineup. They have Juan Soto like that. They are gutted. They, you know, revamped everything. The Marlins, too, they sold off. I know it's a bad matchup only because the Marlins can pitch and they can't hit. That's kind of the same with the Mets. So, like, you'd kind of like that flipped and have one of your strengths. But Mets are clearly a better team than them. And then the reason that I don't – so, I, you know, I look at that. I look at the Braves where I'm still not – Impressing. I look at the Braves schedule coming up. I could easily see a three and nine stretch for the Braves with these teams they have facing and just that can get you right back in it. And the, the reason that I always fight for, you know, the Mets fans who want to win right now with this plan thing, because the five-year plan, I'm not in on it all. This division was yours for the taking. It really was. It's not like the Braves have been that team all year. You know, the Mets were in first place for 90 days. That's not a small stretch. That's three, that's half of the season. Like, that's why I think it's such a frustrating thing. Like, I've had this conversation with Mets fans, and it's like they're just depressed by it because you were in first place for 90 days. And, yes, the plan, long-term, everything, that is still in place. It's just like to squander a season where it looked so good for so long and so promising is really frustrating. So that's the one thing I'll say there. Um, You know, I don't have much more to say. I think this obviously – they're probably not going to take the series versus the Giants, and this will just look dumb. And you know what? I'll probably look dumber if they do take this series and they don't win the division. But I, I don't think they're necessarily out of it all the way. I, you know, I've seen, obviously, seven-game deficit is not the craziest thing. You know, we just saw the Yankees 10-and-a-half. We just saw – we'll get into it in a minute. The Reds come out of nowhere. They're in a playoff spot right now. Giants had, like, a five-game lead just a week ago. Now that's down to one-and-a-half, two games. So I think – when you look at the Mets, you can't say it's completely over. But obviously, like, this was kind of – this is a season that, as of right now, if you could ask Mets fans, could they wipe it from their memory? I think they would. <laughs> I think they're going to make it interesting, though. I, do th- I don't think they're just going to go away silently into the night and just call it a season. I do think, like you mentioned, regardless of what happens in this Giants series, like, I do get what you're saying. I think it's an it's important series. I agree with you there. I think they are going to make up some ground in this next stretch against the Marlins and the Nationals. I do think you're going to make it interesting, but – Really, when that all-in question, once again, were they ever really going to get, though, to 12 games over 500 like the Braves were? I don't really know because I don't think this team ever really showed that, even if you do go all-in. And you don't really, again, you still don't know what you have. I think Tyler mentioned a good point. Javi Baez obviously sparked the win uh, yesterday, and now I think Francisco Lindor will do the same because we've seen the second this collapse started happening was the second he left. So the second he comes back, I'm expecting him to start picking it up again. 
It's a little bit too much, I think, ground to make up right now to really win the division. But even if you do, I don't know how much farther this team can go once they get into the playoffs. Obviously, anything could happen there. But I just think for Mets fans, I would still, as you mentioned, Ryan, I would stay optimistic. I do think they have a shot here to make up some ground to make a run. And we'll see what happens after that and in the offseason. But I, I don't expect this Mets season has been way too interesting for them to just fade away. So I think they're going to they're gonna come back here and make some noise. Right. I agree with you there. I think they're definitely going to make some noise. They're going to give Atlanta a run for their money. I think they do surpass Philly because I I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I haven't I, even mentioned Philly. I, we're, we're so, like I think we're all I think all three of us are out on Philly. I don't think Philly is a legit team. They they're pretenders. I'm sorry to anybody listening in Philadelphia. I don't believe in the Phillies, but uh, I think the Mets will at least end up in second place of the NL East. I believe that they will give the Braves a run for their money. I just don't think they're gonna win the division. That would be, I mean, kind of a, a microcosm of their season as in like yeah. individual games, right? They're they're down and then they come back, make it really close and still falter. So we'll keep an eye on the Mets big week. Obvious, I mean, like, yeah, I said big week. Every week is big, you know, take yeah. the series versus the Giants and then win all your games until you get swept by the Yankees later in September. But, <laughs> you know, we don't have to talk about that now. Uh, let's go into the overall playoff picture because I think it's a nice way to wrap up the show. We've talked about some of these teams up. I know Alex was big on the Blue Jays. They've had a pretty bad week. We'll start, I guess, with the AL because I think the wild card race, while it's technically like a five-man race, I, I think right now you look at it with the Yankees, Boston, and Oakland. Um, Boston, obviously, a huge fall from grace, you know, falling from a comfortable division lead to now fighting for their lives. I'll start with you, Alex. When you look at this AL wildcard race, I, maybe you want to talk about the Blue Jays here because you just talked about how dangerous they are. Um, what are kind of you looking at here as we get to that home stretch, maybe a month and a half out from the playoffs? Yeah, so I think with Toronto, the reason why I think they're interesting is they're probably the team that the Yankees have seen the least so far and have proven the least against. I think the Yankees have shown they can beat the Red Sox. I think we all kind of mentioned that the Red Sox are going to falter a little bit here. They've overperformed much of this year, and I think now you're going to start to see the remnants of that. But the Blue Jays are a little bit unproven, I think. George Springer is one of the best players in baseball since, since he came back. And I think you look at the Blue Jays, you look at this team, they also bullshit up at the deadline a little bit. I think they their best days, I think, are ahead of them. I don't know if that means this season or I don't know if that means next season, but I think they are going to start improving. And I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on the Yankees because they have some head-to-head -head games left, seven of them. And I think if the Blue Jays can take advantage of those, I think they insert themselves right into this wild card conversation. But the problem is there's just – two spots there. And I think the A's, as we've mentioned, they're just a regular season juggernaut. And I don't really think they're going to fall out of contention here. And I think the Yankees really, the question is, can they catch the division and open up a spot here? I still do think that's Tampa Bay's division, just because as we mentioned the race too, they win regular season games. I don't expect them to falter. They just don't seem like the type of team to collapse. Like we saw with the Mets, for example, they just have too much poise on them. They've been here too many times before. So I think the Rays stay in the division, the Yankees, I think they keep the stretch going enough to stay in the wild card. And then really that second spot is very interesting because I think the Red Sox, the A's and the Blue Jays are all right there. I'm not counting on the Mariners whatsoever. I think you have those three teams and Boston really, I think is the odd man out there. And really it comes down to Oakland and Toronto. I think whoever gets in there is going to be really about a lot of how the Yankees do head to head against those teams. The four games, I think to end this month against Oakland are big. And so is what's ahead against Toronto. It's hard to predict, but I think all those teams are kind of in the same boat and we'll kind of see who, uh, who, who wins the most head to heads there. Yeah. I mean, like I pretty much fully agree with Alex there. I do think Boston is the odd man out. I think Boston started to falter at the worst time possible and their guys have started to come back to normal. They were overachieving heavily in the first half of the season. They looked unbelievable. They look like World Series contenders. Now they look like they look awful right now. That uh, They just got killed by the Texas Rangers, who are not a very good baseball team. And they, I mean, the momentum is gone right now, pretty much. They have to find something. 
I think, yes, Toronto's a little down right now. Toronto is four and a half games out of that second wildcard spot. But as we saw with the Yankees, four and a half is nothing. We, we came back, the Yankees came back from 10 and a half down from the Red Sox to overtake the Red Sox. Four and a half is nothing. Four and a half games is nothing. And with that offense, that Toronto offense, once they start all clicking at the same time, is probably one of the most dangerous offenses in baseball. They do have some, they do have a pretty good pitching staff. Like Hyunjun Ryu is pretty good. Robbie Ray's had a career revamp. And Jose Barrios is a good deadline addition. They got a deep rotation. They the bullpen leaves a little bit to be desired, but they it's not over for the Blue Jays by any means. They did have a rough stretch this past week, but the Blue Jays are still in the thick of it. I think that they will give the Oakland A's a heavy run for their money. And if the A's falter a little bit, I think the Blue Jays can easily take that second wild card spot. I think the Yankees. Right now, obviously, they're in the first wild card. I think they, they can take the division. I'm being optimistic here. I'm being fully optimistic here. I think they can take the division. But right now, the Rays are, I guess, the division leaders. And I think the Rays and the Yankees, that last series is going to be so much fun to watch. It's going to be so competitive. And it's going to determine the whole season. It's I can't wait for this upcoming playoff stretch. It's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's within three games and that series is a, you know, a must-watch every day. The thing with the Blue Jays that I'll say is, yeah, four and a half out. It's you're, it's wildly irresponsible to count the Blue Jays out. You know, Alex mentioned the seven games against the Yankees. There's ten left against the, the Orioles. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's wow. true. That's true. I mean, if there's one team in baseball you want to play, <laughs> yeah. it is, I think, the 0-16 right. in their last 16 game, Baltimore Orioles. It might be 17 now. <laughs> Right. Like that that is might be more. Really yeah. favorable for the um, 18. 18. 18, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since, since the cat came out of Yankee Stadium, they have there been you atrocious. Go. 12, Jorge Lopez beat the Pablo Lopez beat the Yankees. They haven't won a game. No, was, um, yeah. But, you know, that is like the Blue Jays are right in this. Uh, I've said, I think, the last few weeks, way more concerned about them than the Red Sox. Red Sox, 100%. I know they're in there right now. I'm ready to count them out. Like, I mean, the standings and math won't but just looking at the talent look at how they're free falling you know this was obviously overperforming a ton in the first half natural aggression was due to set in but it's really kicked them hard not going and getting any pitching at the deadline it's looking like you know bloom is getting killed right now in boston with just not really like kyle schwarber can't be your only move you see the yankees steal anthony rizzo from you you see obviously other teams in your division load up big time to not do anything by the red sox shot themselves in their own foot and then, you know, the A's, Blue Jays conversation. I'm still going with the A's. I think Yankees A's 2018 rematch is in the cards just because I think the A's, I don't see them having a bad stretch. The Blue Jays are right now coming off of losing series to the Nationals and Tigers, which is pretty unacceptable. Playoff teams can't be doing that this late in the year. And I don't see the A's doing that. I don't think they're going to falter. They're too good in the regular season. Starla Marte arguably, and maybe is the best deadline acquisition. I feel like because he's in Oakland, you know, we're not talking about him every day and everything. He's a 900 OPS, 360 batting average in with Oakland. So he's been huge for them. Chris Bassett, obviously the other day, scary situation there, getting hit in the face with the line drive, probably out for the season, huge blow, you know, hope he's okay, really scary stuff. But I still think at the end of the day, the A's are there. So I think we're kind of all in agreement there. It's funny, the Red Sox just so quickly – fell out of this and it seems like we've been I know at least me and Alex have been like you saw it coming and and it really it, it came quick you know getting swept by the Yankees really tough stretch for them now I guess just to end the show we'll shift to the NL where there's not that many teams in the mix 
but it's just as tight. You know, the San Diego Padres expected to be a World Series favorite. I think they had the second best odds heading into the season of absolutely free fall here. Uh, just as we're recording this, you know, checking Twitter or whatever, they fired their pitching coach, Larry Rothschild, during this recording of the show. Larry Rothschild, obviously with the Yankees, you know, was there for that World Series in 09. But the Padres, you know, they really have underperformed here. The Reds, too. You have to give the Reds a ton of credit. 20 and 10 over their last 30 games, a team that I don't think anyone was talking about a month ago. And suddenly they're up on the Padres right now. This would be a massive, massive disappointment if the Padres don't make it. You know, it's never a good sign when you're firing your pitching coach five weeks left in the year. I think you also have to put a lot of blame on A.J. Prower for even being in the spot, right? If we remember, they made that trade for Scherzer, the Nationals leak it, whatever gets leaked, and the Dodgers swoop in, top them. They steal Scherzer from the Padres. What do the Padres do? They pivot to Jake Arrieta, who had a 70 RA with the Cubs. I mean, that's not the move you have to make. You need pitching. Blake Snell has not performed to what you went and traded him to do. So I think that's a really interesting conversation. Dodgers, Giants, confident saying they're locked up. That's going to be a fun battle out West, you know, still some games to play there. But with the Reds and Padres, I'm confident saying the Reds are going to make the wild card. I've said this for about a week now, even when they were down. The Padres, it's not going to get any easier. They have the hardest schedule in baseball. I saw Jeff Passan had a really good article going through all the teams they only have one series left, I think, against the bottom feeder and the Dimebacks. 19 of the Padres' last 22 games are against the Dodgers, Giants, and Braves. The three games in between are the Cardinals, who are no rollover. They also have another series versus the Dodgers and Houston this year. So those are, I think, like seven of your nine series remaining. And those are the best teams in baseball. Those are gauntlets. And when you're not playing, when you're free-falling the way they are, I think they're now only 10 games over 500. I don't have confidence with them. Obviously, Tatis is just back now. But I don't think, you know, I'll see what you guys say. The Reds obviously don't have close to the talent of the Padres, but I really do think the Padres, when we look at it at the end of the day, will be the biggest disappointment in baseball and miss the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I was really high on the Padres coming into the season. I think they just had such a talented lineup that you had to feel confident that they were going to sneak into the, the wild card. I thought they would also compete for the division. Obviously, nobody saw what would happen with the Giants. And the Reds, in a lot of ways, feel like a similar story to the Giants. One of those teams that you know, you're hearing the same names, Joey Votto, that you heard a decade ago, and somehow they're still really, really good. Obviously, some young talent on that team as well that, that is worth noting. But overall, the Reds do feel like a similar story there. But for, yeah, like you mentioned, Ryan, for a juggernaut like the Padres to miss the playoffs to the Cincinnati Reds, I think would be just a crazy, crazy story. I don't think it's going to happen, though. And the reason I say that is that the Padres, I think, step up to the level of their competition. That is the one thing I'll give them credit for is that you look at this latest stretch and a lot of the games they lost are not against very good teams. There's against the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, the Phillies, not the stiffest of competition. I think the Padres are going to step up in the games that count. But at the same time, certainly has not been a very encouraging stretches of late. And I like that you mentioned the deadline because that was what I was going to bring up with the AL and also with the NL. Look at the teams that have started to pick it up since the deadline. They're the teams that made the biggest moves. The Dodgers, 9-1 and one in their last 10. You look at the Padres, they're 2-8 and eight, you know, in their last 10. And it really the teams that you saw on the verge of making a move, like the Red Sox, like the Padres, like the Mets that didn't go all in, have really faltered. And the teams that did double down, like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, even the Giants getting Chris Bryant, those teams have really stepped up. And I think the deadline, when we look back at this season and the picture of it and who makes the playoffs, it's going to be about the teams that went all in versus the ones that kind of stepped back with confidence in who they already had. So. 
really interesting story there. I think this division, uh, the wild card, I think it's going to be very fun. I think the Reds aren't going to go anywhere. I think the Padres are going to pick it up. I think they'll take it, but it's going to be very exciting. And I think it's not out of the picture to pick the Reds because they've proven a lot this year, and they don't show as many signs of stopping as I think the Padres do right now. So it's interesting. I'm just going to go with the talent there because I think that that wins you enough baseball games to sneak in there. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think the Reds do take the second wild card spot. I think that, well, we all know the first wild card spot is locked up. It's either the Dodgers or the Giants. Depends who wins that division. Um, the reason I think the Reds are going to win that second wild card spot and make the playoffs is because the Reds have started, like, some of their guys were really, really bad at the start of the season. For example, Luis Castillo was atrocious to start the season as a pitcher. He's turned it around. He's he's at a 4.3 ERA. He started the season at a 7 ERA. He's turned his stuff around heavy. Guys like Wade Miley have main, somehow maintained that level of solid, really good pitching. Wade Miley's in the 2. I think like 2.6 ERA. Tyler Molly stepped up as a good, a reliable starter. Sonny Gray, even though his ERA is a 4.1, he's been pretty reliable. I mean, you can count on Sonny Gray to do his thing. Couldn't do it in New York, but he's started to turn around in Cincinnati. The bullpen is. I mean, they're not atrocious right now. That bullpen is not atrocious, which is a huge step. And guys like Joey Votto went scorched earth last month. Joey Votto was the best hitter in baseball, I believe, in in July. He was unbelievable. You got guys like Castellanos and Winker who've been really solid all year and got, got young guys who we didn't expect to step up, like Tyler Stevenson, Kyle Farmer, Jonathan India, coming out of nowhere and just making their name and playing great baseball. I think – as you said, the Reds have a much easier schedule than the Padres. Alex, you brought up a fantastic point about the Padres playing up to their competition. I don't know, man. Right now, they don't. They look kind of dead in the water. Like they're a good. They are a good baseball team. There's no doubt about it. Some may argue a great baseball team. They have a ton of talent on that team, but that deadline really killed them, man. Like guys like Adam Frazier, who they acquired at the deadline. Ryan brought up a good point to me the other day. Adam Frazier has he has been atrocious since arriving in San Diego. He has not been the same player that he was in Pittsburgh. The Arietta, like settling for Arietta instead of getting Max Scherzer, a top 10 starting pitcher in baseball, and you get Jake Arietta, who is notably past his prime. That That's kind of sad. Like, I feel really bad for San Diego. And if they miss the playoffs, which I unfortunately think they will, it's the biggest disappointment in, in, in this year for baseball. One and two guys will get fired. So expect a lot of changes this offseason. It's going to be a wild, wild stretch down the um, down the stretch run for the season. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I mean, they just they've already started the firing here with Larry Rothschild, and yeah. I don't see many playoff teams firing their coaches with five weeks to go. That's all I'm going to say. Um, funny, all year we talked about Yankees being the biggest disappointment. Obviously, we know that's completely flipped, but every year there's that one team who everyone expects to be there at the end of the day who really disappoints and. Look at it this year. Your pick has to be the Padres, even if they do, you know, get the second wild card, which obviously only a game out and they have more talent than the Reds. Who was confidently picking them to beat the Dodgers in a one game? Or you are really? Yes, yes, I am. I mean, I think the they part, have the they part. have this vibe to me that if they sneak in, I, I don't. I, the Dodgers are a tricky team to me. I think because right. they've been very good this year, but they also shown some weaknesses. I just purely am sticking with my gut from the beginning of the year that the Padres are going to get it going when they're healthy. Uh, there's no real reason for that whatsoever, but I just like sticking to my opinion. You can't back down right at this point in the season. Right. Or the Padres. We do a 180. 
no, no, Ooh, that, can't do that. Nope. Yeah, that's that's bold. <laughs> Alex, I respect that take. I do think the Padres do play the Dodgers well, as we've seen in the past, but this is a completely different team for the deadline. The Dodgers well, won. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. one thing that I think goes to your point, Alex, is if they do make the playoffs here, it's going to be by beating the best of the best in the NL. I think that is right. one thing where I circle back. Like, if they're going to make it, they're going to be playing really good baseball going in. So, obviously, we'll have a ton more shows before that. It's going to be a wild ride here. I really can't wait. Um, you know, we're at the stretch run of the season, 162 games. It all kind of comes down to these few weeks leading up. So I think that's going to do it here for us. Uh, I'm Ryan Gregware for Alex Woltz and Tyler Who. This has been the Nosebleeds Podcast, a production of WFB Sports. Gotta be-